Thanks, Aaron. Good morning, everyone. Excited to be able to share with you today. Uh, we'll be wrapping up our James series. Uh, we've been in this series for about, I believe it's 10 weeks. Uh, we've been doing large group teaching here on Sundays. We've also been doing small groups. Anybody have fun in small groups? Are having fun? They still go? Oh, yeah. Great way to grow. I know there'll be more small groups, I think, potentially, what, January, February? Yeah. Great opportunities to grow in. But we've been in James, and we've been learning more about literally like what it looks like to follow God and, and put our faith into action. As I was thinking about closing with today's message in the end of the book of James, uh, as many of us know, this would have been a letter that was shared with uh, scattered, persecuted Christians. And typically with most letters, you just read it all at once, right? Uh, you don't usually take it in segments, but we do that so we can kind of focus in on the preaching. But I was reminding of the beginning part of the letter, which I wanted to revisit before getting into James 5. James 1 said this in the, intro, James said this in the introduction of his letter in James 1, verses 2 to 4. He said this, he said, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Let's just all admit that's hard to do, right? <laughs> Apart from the grace of God. <laughs> For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And as I mentioned, and we've looked at this and studied it, um, and if you're new here, I know some of you, this maybe your first or second time here, we've been looking at uh, all these Christians in the early church being scattered through persecution, and they're going all over the place. And James is encouraging them not to stop living out their faith, but to put their faith into action, amen? If I had to title the series, uh, we didn't really come up with a title, which is fine. We did like the James series. I probably do faith that works under pressure. Or to be more biblically accurate, faith that works under persecution. Because that's the kind of suffering that's going on, right? It's, it's not just you go to TJ Maxx like me last week and there were so many people there. Uh, there was so much pressure in the aisles and you barely could find a cart. It's not that kind of persecution, right? Lord, why don't you give me a cart, you know? I came all the way to Messina. I need a breakthrough. That's not persecution, right? Or when your Keurig or your coffee maker runs out of water, why, Lord? You know I have 30 seconds. Don't you understand? The kids are coming. I can hear them coming down the stairs. That's not persecution. It could feel like maybe, but it's not. We're talking about legit persecution. It's interesting that when you look at Scripture, do you know what the gospel tends to spread even faster when persecution increases? Have we noticed that? That's not, that's actually not a different thing even today in our culture. I'm going to take a minute or a couple minutes before I get into the James 5 just to share a little bit about some cool stuff God's doing around the globe. So we have brothers and sisters in the Middle East and in Asia, right? They love Jesus and they're being heavenly persecuted. Do you know that some of the fastest growing churches are in some of the most persecuted places? Isn't that interesting? The fastest growing churches. Now these churches look different. They're tiny, they're smaller, they're simple churches. Uh, they have to meet underground, meaning like they can't do like public gatherings like we can right here. Usually meet in people's homes, usually they're a lot smaller. I was recently on a Zoom call with someone that works with uh, Beyond, it's a mission organization. And he was just staring, he did statistics. So he's like, I love Jesus and I love spreadsheets. 
Does anyone else exist like that? Anyone else love spreadsheets? I see, yeah, I see the head nodding. Yeah, I'm like, okay, you love spreadsheets. Like, I didn't know you could serve Jesus and do spreadsheets. I'm like, me either, man. I'm like, I'm debating it, but okay. If you say so, no, you can. Uh, so he's just doing statistical analysis for movements of God all across the globe, working with multiple mission organizations and churches. And the whole idea is just to see what's the Lord doing, right? What's, what's a taste of what God's doing? I tell you what. Numbers don't move me at all. I find them boring. I sit on boards and they go and they talk about treasury reports and it's like snooze time. You know what I mean? Um, but I tell you what, when you start hearing numbers that represent people coming to know Jesus Christ, that gets me excited. Does that get you excited? Right? And persecuted places where some people are offered to know Christ and in the invitation to say, if you know Jesus Christ, you'll most likely meet on the next day face to face. And a lot of them do. Because they're martyred for knowing Christ. That's the invitation. When I learn about what God's doing elsewhere and my brothers and sisters in persecution, it makes me wonder, Lord, could I grow a little bit, right? <laughs> could, I, could I desire you a little bit? Uh, would comfort and prosperity, prosperity not be the, 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 the point of when I think I can grow? But, Lord, would it be just Jesus? So that way, on the mountaintop, Jesus, you are good. And in the valley of pain, suffering, and persecution, Jesus, you are good. These little churches, uh, averaging about 14 people, they're simple. They're, they're, little, they're, like, they're scrappy. They're, they're not anything we're used to in the States. Um, they just reproduce, and when you persecute it, they can grow. Uh, if you kill off the leaders, they oftentimes, just like in the New Testament, when they killed off all the apostles, it just keeps going. God is so faithful to build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen? He builds the church. But he's invited Christians in Asia and Middle East to be disciples who make disciples of all nations for the glory of God. To be witnesses that are full of the spirit. To be laborers that would go into the harvest. And I was just moved hearing these reports. I think in some of the movements that they're seeing that God's just using just simple, ordinary people to do an extraordinary thing with the spirit... They're now tracking like 110 million people on the globe right now. That's one out of 100 people on the planet are in these movements. There's now more churches in these movements than there are in denominations across the globe. They're much smaller. But isn't that amazing though? God's just growing his church and I'm like, God, I want to be part of that. I want to be more like that. Well, it's interesting. I've been talking with some, uh, some pastors and leaders even within our state of New York. We're seeing what God's doing. And a lot of these churches look very similar to Acts. Like Acts 2, very similar to actually how this church was founded, in a living room with people just praying. Some of you might have been there, right? Praying to see the campuses reach for Jesus. And they look like James, little groups that are suffering and persecuted, but still gathering with the purpose of putting Jesus first. Two examples I thought of, I was recently just hearing about, I haven't met personally, but a college student at RIT in Rochester. And he's only a college student, I think he might have graduated now. But the Lord's led him to just make disciples on campus, and they now see 10 little churches on the campus led by a college student. Pretty edgy, right? They're just modeling what God's doing in other places, which is modeled off of Acts. Um, and boom, they're seeing 35 people get baptized. They have a heart and passion for RIT, but they're like, why not just go after the city now? So now their goal is to go after the city of Rochester. For all Rochesterans, right? Come on. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grace is like, uh, not Grace. <laughs> That's my daughter. Crystal's my wife, though. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get that right. That makes for awkward conversations. Uh, yeah, but Rochester, Lord, Jesus, come. 
I also just learned about a pastor this past week in a little town south of Rochester that only has 2,300 people in it and one stoplight. He just transitioned out of being a full-time pastor. Him and his wife and his four kids are just going to go make simple churches in their little town for the glory of God. Isn't God awesome? We're just seeing the Lord just moving. It's just using ordinary people that are available to be used by God for his glory. And I believe that's what you and I want to do. Amen? So we're going to be looking at James chapter 5. As once again, the theme in the beginning was counting a joy during trials. Uh, if we read the section before this, it would be about suffering, patience and endurance and suffering. I believe that's what uh, one of our missionaries, Andy, actually preached on several weeks ago. And then, so this is the conclusion, and we have to remember the whole thing is under persecution. Um, so it's, 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 this is real life difficulty, but to not give up, not to slow down, but to keep Christ first and live it out for the glory of God. So let's read James chapter 5, verses 13 to 20 this morning. Uh, it says this in verse 13, should be on the screen. Is any, anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let, us, let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if any one among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wanderings will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And since we're going to be talking about prayer, let's take a moment to pray. God, I just thank you so much for your word today, God. Thank you that the encouragement you used, James, through the power of the Holy Spirit to encourage these persecuted, scattered Christians, the original audience, Lord, we thank you for that. But God, we thank you that we have your word today. God, I pray you speak life and encouragement and redirection and focus in our lives, my life, not for our glory, but for your glory. God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. Come on. So once again, the, the context is suffering, the context is persecution. Uh, and right from the beginning of this passage, if you were tied into, if you read a couple of verses ahead, uh, it's going to be talking about suffering. And James continues that theme right in verse 13. He says, if anyone among you is suffering. Now as I was studying this, that word suffering is the same word that's used in verse 10, which I don't have on the screen. But refers to look at the suffering of the prophets in the Old Testament. To see what they're going through as an example of what it means to suffer. So James is giving a definition of the kind of suffering. And this is like, man, if you look at the Old Testament prophets, the suffering is real. Amen. It is real. I just want to give a couple examples um, actually uh, from Hebrews, I believe. Let me see. Got a couple pages of notes. Here we go. Hebrews 11. The author of Hebrews says this about the prophets and some of the Old Testament main uh, kind of characters. But I wanted to share that this morning. We're talking about suffering. Uh, Hebrews eleven thirty two to 38 says, And what more shall I say? For a time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets. So here's the category he's talking about. This is in the hallmark of faith. Um, but look at some of the difficulties, persecutions that they went through. Who through faith they conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, 
stop the mouth of lions, whew, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were saw into, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. That's pretty intense, isn't it? When you think, those are some, just some of the examples, right? Uh, when you think of suffering. So this, this is the context. This is like, wow. And I know for us today, I, I just, well, I just know. There, there's people, you're here this morning, and you're, you're, you're going through a hard time. Um, sickness, grieving, loss. Like, I, it's a hard time. I, I'm praying that you'll find encouragement in God's word this morning. Just last week, I'm so thankful. I spent time praying for uh, Aaron, one of our pastors. He was really sick last week. I'm so glad, Aaron, you're better. Uh, we were praying for Glenn, another one of our pastors last week. as was in South Carolina uh, burying his father. And as, as he's in a place of grief, we want to grieve with you, Glenn. And we do. We love you so much. I'm just so thankful that God answers prayers. Amen. To be with us through grieving, also to be with us through healing. And so we're going to be talking about prayer. But first, James talks about suffering. He just, says, he just says things so direct. I love James. Is any of among you among you suffering? What should you do? What does the scripture just say? Anybody see it? Let him pray. Prayer is just a conversation with God. It's just talking to God and listening to God. So if you are suffering this morning, looking at the text, this is very applicable, I encourage you to pray. Just talk with the Lord. Let him know what's going on. He does know, but let him let you know what's going on too. Bring your suffering to the Lord in prayer. So that's the first part. If you're suffering, go to prayer. Talk with the Lord. Is anyone cheerful? I'm assuming there's probably some people that are cheerful this morning. Anybody cheerful this morning? Maybe a couple of us. Yeah, I know some of us are going through hard times. You don't have to fake it. You don't have to be cheerful. But some of you might be actually cheerful. I love it. James says, let him sing praises. Singing praises to God is just another form of prayer, right? If we're talking to God. And I tell you, there is something powerful um, even if you have a heart of worship and you sound terrible singing, <laughs> do it. Yes, there is something so powerful. Some people call it intercessory worship, the idea of singing and praying. You can just call it talking to the God with a little tune, right? <laughs> right? It is. There's something beautiful about just pray. If there's something to be cheerful about, let's bring it to the Lord. Amen? If you are suffering this morning, let's bring it to the Lord. If you are sick... This morning, we learn in James, there's an invitation to invite the elders. Now, the word elders in the New Testament is the same word they use for pastors and bishops and also shepherds. So at New Hope Community Church, we, we kind of go back and forth, actually. Uh, we have pastors. There's three of us, Aaron, Glenn, myself. I'm the lead pastor. That's just a cool title, meaning I'm a leader among equals, which is great. Uh, but there's also the word Elder, and you'll see that in the New Testament, little churches planted with elders that would work together. And that's what we try to do for the glory of God. So you get this picture of someone sick inviting the elders of these little churches to come and pray. And they're to come and pray, and they would bring anointing oil with them. Now, as I'm studying this in the commentaries, it's interesting <laughs> where commentaries land on different things sometimes. But it was showing that the, the power of the prayer, the principle of, of, the, of this invitation is on the prayer, not the anointing oil. 
but it was to go along with it, if that makes sense. Because we know that the one who heals is Jesus, amen? And back then, in some research, they said sometimes some of these oils actually would have helped like a medicine for someone that was sick, depending on what they're sick with. Uh, we will, not often, but occasionally we will, someone advice, hey, I got some sickness, something going on. And uh, Aaron and Glenn and I have all done this. Uh, uh, could you come and pray? And we do have anointing oil, which we use symbolically. Our prayer and our faith is in Jesus, right? But we'll pray. And this is the invitation that James is saying. If you're sick, be quick. Invite the elders to pray. Invite, and you can even invite others to pray too, but specifically it says the elders to pray. So if you're suffering this morning, what are we going to do? Pray. If you're cheerful, sing, sing praise, prayer. It's kind of, you know, multi-thing. <laughs> and if you're sick, what do you want to do? Call the elders to pray. Yeah, there's a lot of prayer going on. The whole section, I think, is some uh, Bibles, the header will be the prayer of faith or concerning prayer. There's so much power in prayer. Do you know one of the hardest things to do is when you're really busy? Pray. Yeah. That's like a secret weapon, like a, like a secret weapon against like evil, the devil, living victoriously in Jesus is prayer, right? And the crazy thing about it is you don't have to go to seminary to learn how to pray. You don't have to be a man or a woman to be able to pray. You don't have to be old or young to figure out how to pray. You can just pray, amen? It's completely available. Whether you're here and you're like, wow, among a bunch of people, or maybe for some of you are home in your apartment or dorm, or, and you're just like, I'm all alone. You're actually not, right? You can still pray, amen? There's so much power in prayer. And because it's the object of our prayers, which is Jesus. We want to move quickly to pray. But sometimes, I don't know about you, I can get too busy to pray. That's like saying, um, I'm too busy to put gas in my minivan, so I just had to keep driving anyways. Right? Imagine doing that. If I was, I'm going to Rochester this week for Thanksgiving, super pumped. And if I didn't put gas in my minivan, I think I'm on a quarter tank, probably run out, I don't know, maybe in Syracuse or something, maybe on 90 on the freeway. And then I'd just be sucking fumes, and then the car would just stop. Does that sometimes describe your prayer life? <laughs> sometimes describe my prayer life? Lord, you don't understand. I'm hustling so hard. I got to do so many things for you and the family and the kingdom. Um, but you're running out of gas. <laughs> you're about to be on fumes. How do we know that when we're running on fumes spiritually, we just look ugly, right? <laughs> we do. Our love meter, way low. Tolerance meter, way low. Caring for the lost or God, way low. It's like, God. And then all our prayers become about me, 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 me. And I feel like Jesus is just smiling at us. He's like, if you would just come and abide with me, you would be filled to overflowing like a cup that overflows with no ending. Prayer, there is so much power because of the one we pray to. Going on, verse 15 says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. So he's focusing on that there's power in prayer to heal, but also power in prayer to heal if the sickness is from sinning. Now, I just want to make very clear, James make it clear too, not all sicknesses are from sin. Are you with me this morning? But there can be sicknesses because of sin. You with me? So, what he's saying is, if he has committed sins, if this person is sick, and if, if, there's, that's key, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Isn't it awesome that Jesus will heal people physically, but also forgive our sins? Isn't that amazing? Because we 
cannot atone for our sins or make it right on our own. Meaning maybe we can figure out a way to get a little healthier or better, but without Jesus' grace and his mercy, there is no hope outside of Jesus. But we have hope today, amen? We're a new hope community church because Jesus forgives and heals sinners like me and you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So good. Continuing on the same thread, verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another. It's really neat to see in scripture just the body community that goes on there. You ever notice that? There's like a lot of intimacy assumed when it comes to church gatherings. When's the last time you or I confessed our sins to one another and we prayed for each other? Right? I know for me, it's probably been, well, no, there's a situation. No, actually, yeah. I bump my head with things a lot. Yeah, I'm a sinner in need of Jesus. I can think of things. I don't really share it. But for you, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's been so long. I'm like, no, it hasn't. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to do that. Oh, never mind. But sometimes it's easy just to kind of keep our relationship with us and God, right? But in Scripture, there's this beautiful thing. And the original name of this church is koinonia. It comes from Acts 2, the Greek word for fellowship. This beautiful thing of just intimacy and fellowship and closeness where you have the trust and the safety to share something, not to be condemned, but to be loved, understood, and forgiven. Amen? That takes intimacy, takes trust, and takes safety. Uh, I don't think any of us would share our sins that we're going through with someone else maybe we sinned against if we felt like they're just going to attack us in the process, right? That's pretty hard. Maybe, maybe you would. Maybe, guys, have you done that? And, like, you know, Jesus did it actually on the cross. They're murdering him, torturing him, and he also forgave them. That's, that can happen. But I'm just saying it really helps, though, when we have a loving community, especially among believers, that's like, wow, you confess your sin. I hear you. I receive it. I forgive you. Let's pray for one another. Isn't that beautiful? That way, junk doesn't build up. You ever get junk in a relationship with someone else? And you're like, you know what? Instead of bringing it up and obeying God and sharing it, whatever you need to do, Holy Spirit will show you, I'm just going to bury it. You ever notice it doesn't go away? It's like a bad horror movie or something. Not that I really watch them at all. Actually, I don't. But it comes up out of the ground, you know, just because you buried this. And God's like, I want you to act on forgiveness and confess it. There is freedom in confession. Can we get an amen for anyone who had confessed a sin that they thought would destroy them? And on the other side, they found freedom. Amen. Amen. I have. I thought, because the devil will tell you. Just like someone who's really sick physically, it's almost like the devil telling that person, look, just keep that sickness to yourself because no one else can handle it. But the only way you're going to get healing, though, is by going to a good physician. And our physician spiritually is Jesus. There is healing on the other side of our shame. There is healing on the other side of our guilt. There is healing on the other side of our fear. Amen? Just got to walk right through it. That's scary. I'm just going to encourage you. The devil will tell you to keep it in, that your sin is too messy to share with others. I just want to let you know that Jesus died for every single sin you have done and will do. Isn't that amazing? So if you're feeling like I am the worst this morning, if you knew what I did this week, well, God does know what you do this week. And you know what he has? His posture towards you is one of unconditional love, mercy, grace, and longing for you to come home closer in a relationship with Jesus. That's the God we serve. Amen. So therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. There's so much prayer going on right here. This is great. Thank you, God, for using James to share this. That you may be healed. Once again, if there's sins that are relating to physical illness, it's talking about having a place of both 
spiritual forgiveness and health, but also healing. And then James continues, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I am clearly convinced in my life, and I'm sure in many of our lives, we underestimate the power of prayer. Would you agree? Yeah, very much so. As I've been learning about Christians in other countries, um, and it's not all Christians everywhere, but I've been learning about a lot of Christians that just follow Jesus' model for prayer. Now, if you look at Jesus, he prayed a lot. You could almost look at his life and see that he went from one mountaintop or one wilderness place in prayer, did some ministry, and then he went to another place of prayer. Are you with me? It's just prayer. Sometimes you pray for an hour. Sometimes you pray during the evening. Sometimes you pray all night. And so I've been learning of believers who follow Jesus that they just, all they got is God's word. They don't got commentaries and all the podcasts. It's kind of interesting. And uh, <laughs> they just have God's word. They're like, we're just going to model our life after Jesus. So they'll pray an hour or two a day, not out of legalism, just because like, oh, Jesus would pray and he was the son of God. He's perfect and we're imperfect. <laughs> we probably need to pray a little bit more, right? Oh, Jesus prayed through the night? We're going to pray through the night. Isn't that like such a simple connection? But I'm like, well, there's a Netflix show that takes eight hours to watch. I can't pray through the night, but oh, wait. Oh, no. <laughs> I've done it. But just to see that there's power in prayer. James is saying the prayer of a righteous person is great power as it is working. And then he's going to give us an example of Elijah. And I love how he says this in the ESV. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Meaning Elijah was just another person. Are you with me this morning? You ever look at scripture and you're like, I can't be that person? Right? I've been studying, uh, uh, just going through the gospels in my quiet time. I just, I just love going a little, just a little piece by piece. There's just so much in the word of God. I'm just like taking it. But I've just been looking at Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, and then Elizabeth. And I was like, man... It's like I'd never be able to be like Mary or, well, I'm not a woman. I can't give birth. So, yeah, I get that. But, you know, it's just like this whole thing. I, I, can't, I can't imagine just having this kind of faith and this kind of availability and servant, right? Or then John the Baptist. Even Jesus said John the Baptist was kind of a big deal, right? But you know the really interesting thing about Jesus' cousin John the Baptist and Mary and Elizabeth? The thing that makes them so amazing isn't because there's some kind of extra human that we're not. It's because God was upon them, amen? It says the spirit of God filled John the Baptist or leapt into John the Baptist, uh, his mother's womb, Elizabeth, when uh, Jesus was coming in. It's just so cool if you read this story. It's because Jesus was upon John the Baptist. John the Baptist is kind of a weirdo, right? Out in the wilderness, long hair, honey and locusts. It's kind of, I don't know if we would even have him preaching in here, right? You know, like, I don't know. You got to shave, John. You're looking a little crazy. But God was upon him. The favor of God. We see that in the Old Testament. It says the Holy Spirit was upon, which means these are just ordinary people that are filled with the Spirit and available to be used for his glory. Amen? Which means there's availability for you and I to be used by God in extraordinary ways, not for our glory, but for his. So let's learn a little bit about Elijah for a second. Let's see where I put those notes. All right. So Elijah... In the Old Testament, was one of the prophets. And, man, I don't usually print out this many notes. And I realized, I'm like, man, who wrote these? These are like all over the place. How many notes do we have? Oh, here we go. Elijah. His name means Yahweh is my God. Isn't that awesome? That's the name of Elijah. Beautiful name. If, you have a name. if your name's Elijah, you know someone, that's a pretty sweet name. Yahweh is my God. So just a quick recap on Elijah. Uh, he was serving as a prophet during the reign of Ahab. And he proclaimed a drought and punishment to the cult of Baal, a false god, that Jezebel was promoting in Israel 
at Yahweh's expense. So we see that in a moment. You're going to hear about him praying and then also that there was no rain for almost three and a half years. And then he prayed again and started raining again. This is why. This is actually a pun punishment uh, to those who are not following. Uh, Aaron, you're talking about idolatry this morning with money. They're following the false idol. Well, not say the true idol. They're following the idol of Baal or Baal, depending on how you say it. And then they end up having like a duel off between the prophets. So you have one prophet, Elijah, and he meets, I believe, a Mount Carmel, right? And there's 450 prophets of Baal. And they have like this competition, which isn't a competition because Baal's not a real god. But the prophets of Baal are trying to get just like they have two sacrifices and they're like, let's see who ignite, which God will ignite these sacrifices. So the 450 prophets versus one ordinary person like Elijah has a nature like ours <laughs> are trying to get the attention of Baal. But Baal obviously is not real. He does not respond. But Elijah goes and he puts water on the altar. Some of you might remember this story, right? He literally makes it even more impossible. He's like, drench this altar, which would have been like wood and all this stuff. And animals like, just drench it with water. Literally, now it becomes impossible for a human to light this altar. <laughs> but not impossible for God, amen? Whew, just an ordinary person. This, this is an ordinary person. <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right. God responds to Elijah's prayer and his obedience to follow after him. And he sends down fire that consumes all the water, consumes all the altar, they are shocked. God's demonstration was like, well, yeah, maybe there's a little flicker, so maybe your God's more than better than ours or whatever. No, it was clearly God came down with fire. And the only thing we could say that in a human word that would make sense is that was a miracle, right? Something that only God could do. And so God just shows up with that fire, and Elijah, it, we see him in this moment as a great hero. And maybe you're thinking, well, that's great for Elijah. That will never be me. I just want to encourage you. Elijah is just available to be used by God, amen? You can be used. So when you look at scripture, don't, don't look like that's them and this is me. Uh, they're part of God's mission. They get to use all this, but that will never, I can't be part of that. It's just a lie from the pit of hell. Elijah, though, is a real person because after this, he actually goes, you might remember, he was very depressed, very suicidal. Huge victory on Mount Carmel. And then the next moments you see him be like, God, there's no one left that loves Jesus anymore. In this case, loves Yahweh. It's Old Testament. There's no one left, which wasn't actually true. Sometimes our minds can lead us into things, obviously, that aren't true. And God has to comfort him. And I appreciate that God in his infinite wisdom gave us both sides to Elijah's story. Because sometimes we only look at the mountaintops of other people's stories. But right after that, he was in a valley. But you know what? God meant him there. He gave him food and provision miraculously. I want to encourage you, if you're in the mountain top of life with Jesus, that's great. God will meet you there. But whether life hits you hard and you're in a valley, not because you chose to be, just because you got hit there, God's with you in the valley, amen? And maybe you're in the valley because you made decisions that got you in the valley. <laughs> Come on. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk to my wife. Like, oh, Jim. Mm-mm-mm. When you're in the valley, God will also meet us there. Man, what a good God we serve. What a good God. So Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. It's the point is James is like, it's just another, another, another brother. You know, don't get lost in it. And he prayed fervently. Oh, wait. We all can pray, right? Is that possible? Okay. So all right, all right. So a normal person, just another brother who's praying, we also can pray. And he prayed fervently or persistently or persevered in prayer. We also can do that, amen. This is pretty cool. God, maybe you can use us to pray like Elijah. Amen? 
And I believe that's strong in what the Lord wants to do in these last days before God comes back, whenever that is. He's just wanting to see ordinary people unleashed in the power of his Holy Spirit that would pray like Elijah, amen? Prayed fervently. That did not say seminary degree. Did not say you are articulate. Did not say you were really good at exercise or have a lot of money or can do everything that the culture says to do. It says, can you pray fervently? <laughs> These are the people God's using, which oftentimes are not the people that our culture, and sometimes if it slips in the church culture, sometimes put on a pedestal. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. I think I'm going to stop there today, because I have other things to share. Um, if you go on, you'll get final exhortations, which is really good. If someone's wandering away from the truth, there is a blessing and a multitude of sins covered for those who go after someone that's falling away from following Jesus, whatever that looks like, and bringing them back. I encourage you to check that out in the last two verses. But I want to encourage us today, and this is strong encouragement for all of us, including myself. I'm not preaching a sermon to you. I am sharing one with us. You with me? <laughs> with us. My encouragement is let us all grow in prayer. If you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, pray. Maybe throw it to a tune. Sing praises to Jesus. If you're sick, why not invite the prayer from the elders? You could do that literally this morning. I would encourage us, let's pray for miracles like Elijah did. Let's not have our prayers be things that we can accomplish without God. Are you with me? Sometimes our prayers are so small because our view of God is so tiny. It's like, wow, that's actually something I probably could do. I'm just mentioning it. Let's have a prayer where there's water on the altar and there's God, if you don't show up, I'm toast, right? God, if you don't come down and send fire, I'm ruined. I'm literally going to die. That's what happened to Elijah. I'm ruined if you don't show up. God, I want to see nations come to know Jesus. Great Commission says to be, make disciples of all nations, not individuals, but entire nations. Lord, let's pray for an entire nation to come to know Jesus. Is this a bigger prayer? But do we serve a big God? Okay. I remember uh, one brother, I think he, somewhere in Africa, I'm not at all at this faith level yet, but he's like, don't pray for any group of people smaller than a million. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, a million? He's like, our God is just that big. Pray big prayers to an even bigger God. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, you are greater. Pray for miracles with faith. Faith not in ourselves or in the way we pray. We don't need to use a lot of words or verbiage. Our faith is in Jesus and his ability, amen? So if you're praying for someone sick, here's something really practical I learned when I was at Bible school. When somebody is coming up and you want to pray for them that are sick, and maybe you'll just do some body ministry and pray for someone right next to you after the service, that's great. Listen to the person, what they need prayer for, right? You want to care well, you want to empathize. If someone's rejoicing, rejoice with them. If they're mourning, mourn with, mourn with them. And I think that's something as Christians we need to do more of is just empathize where people are at, amen? Just come down low. Jesus would do that, come low. He's like, I'll come down here, you're here, I'll be right here with you. You know, hey, you're celebrating, I'm going to jump over here and celebrate with you. But listen to what someone has to share when it comes, say, for healing, for prayer. And then just take a moment to ask God, what do you want to do in this person's life? This is a little pause that maybe isn't always in our prayers, including mine. Sometimes I'm just so quick to pray and not so quick to listen to the Holy Spirit. But just take a pause. So listen to someone. So if Aaron came up here, he's like, hey, I'm sick with this, Jim, can you pray? All right, Aaron, I hear you. God, I'm just going to take a moment. 
hear from you, what do you want to do in Aaron's life? And then as you hear from the Lord, you can pray in faith on what God has shown you with great confidence because you're banking on what God said, not on what you're thinking. Does this make sense? So it's not muscling up faith in yourself. It's actually just pausing, Lord, what do you want to do? Maybe God wants to heal Aaron on the spot. Just pray into that. Maybe God wants to do something else like encourage Aaron through the sickness. It's going to resolve, but God wants to do something different. How do we know there's a lot of times that God wants to answer prayers different than the way we pray them? Right? And so it's good just to listen. Okay, I hear you. And you want to acknowledge that, but also like, hey, Lord, I also want to do that. I shared this example a couple weeks ago, but I remember I was going up to a prophetic ministry team, those who just listen on behalf of God to hear for others. And I waited in a line, and it was a time of my life in college where I was just too busy to pray. So I thought other people could pray for me, which is great. <laughs> and I loved it. I said, I just want direction in my life. I'm graduating from college soon. I want direction. I want, to give you, I want you to give me wisdom from God. So they heard my request. They were a really sweet couple. They listened in. They leaned in. They cared. They empathized. They heard it. They're like, let's just listen to the Lord, what he wants to say. Mm-hmm. Listening to God. Hey, Jim, what God told us was, was not actually to answer your request, but that God wants to answer that request as you pray personally to him. Are you with me? That's not what I wanted to hear, but it's what I needed to hear. Right? Sometimes you just want the fast food. I was wanting to escape a relationship with Jesus, but have the benefits of Christ. Jesus was like, I want me to be the only thing you want in your life. And then we'll worry about direction. Anybody else can relate to that? God, I just want your benefits and I don't have time for you. It's like a child coming to their parent. Actually, the prodigal son's a good example. The loving father in this parable. And he wanted the resources of the father without the relationship of the father. And I think all of us, I've done this before. God, I want the financial provision. I want the healing. I want the direction. I want, you know, you can fill in the blank. I feel God's like, would you hang out and just spend some time with me? Don't worry. You seek first the kingdom of God, I'll take care of all these other things I already know about. But would you linger with me? Would you linger like Joshua, who when Moses left the tent of meeting, Joshua would just linger in the presence of God. Would you linger this morning? I'm going to take a moment to pray. And then we have some updates and share, uh, sharing things that Aaron and I are going to mention just in a moment. But let's take a moment to pray this morning. God, I thank you, Lord, that you love us. And thank you, God, so much that you hear our prayers. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our prayers. I just want to take a moment just to be quiet and let you just pray quietly to the Lord. If you're suffering, I encourage you, pray. If you're grieving, pray. Things are going challenging, pray. If you are really just excited about what the Lord's doing in your life, just even just pray and just say thank you, Lord. Let's take about a minute to be silent. I encourage you to pray, and then I'm just going to pray as I'm wrapping up the message. God, Lord, as we're speaking to you, Lord, would we quiet our hearts to hear from you? So let's take about a minute just to quiet ourselves and talk with the Lord. God, I just thank you that you hear our prayers. God, I thank you that in your word it says you even know what we're going to share before we share it with you. There's a lot of comfort in that. And God, I just do pray in align with my brothers and sisters for those who are praying because they're in a place of hurting, suffering, difficulty, challenges. God, pray for encouragement for them this morning in Jesus' name. God, for those who are rejoicing right now, God, I just want to rejoice with them and just say thank you for what you're doing in, uh, in our brothers and sisters in life. They just feel like, man, I just feel like I have a cheerful song to sing. May they sing it for your glory. And God, I pray for those who are sick, Lord. I pray for healing. And Lord, even after the service, God, those who are sick and want to bring a pray, God, I pray not in anything we do, but what you do, would you bring healing, God, to those who are physically sick this morning, God. Father, help us to move out in prayer. Help us to move out with faith. 
Help us to just be ordinary people that you do extraordinary things and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.